This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. Well, good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Linda's voice has dropped considerably, and no, she's not here. It's Brian Callahan in for Linda today as the musical chairs continue to swing around the rooms and our studios here in BOCM Valley at BOCM. Um, yeah, so I'm in this afternoon for Linda after she filled in so uh, capably today and yesterday on Open Line, and I believe tomorrow as well. Uh, but who knows what tomorrow brings. Uh, let's talk about today. Beautiful September day out there. Here in VOCM Valley and Metro anyway, um, was going to say crisp, but it's actually quite warm in the sun and even with a breeze. So not so much, not so much in the shade, of course, but, um, but uh, so, so fall is here, that's for sure. But it's uh, usually some nice falls here in September. And that's despite a, uh, an air quality warning that was issued um, uh, just a short time ago, actually, kind of piqued their interest. It seemed a little bit odd uh, out of the blue. This time of year, I know that, uh, you know, throughout the summer, uh, the forest fires out west and uh, throughout Quebec, Northwest Territories were, uh, were all the thing and uh, some horrible, unfortunate, um, you know, uh, people displaced from their homes, um, losses of property, losses of life. What can you say? Um, but uh, to see an air quality warning uh, associated with forest fires, for the most part, uh, issued today was a little bit, um, caught us a little bit off guard. So we, uh, we reached out to Environment Canada. I'll have a little bit of tape from David Neal there in a short time ago, a busy man that he is. Whenever you call Environment Canada these days, they still ask for patience because of the, uh, how busy they are fielding calls, not just from the public and that sort of thing, but of course from the media looking for the latest. So uh, I had a short chat with David Neal and we'll explain a little bit of why there is an air quality warning in our forecast. Of course, the other big news today, the RNC has released um, more information uh, regarding the investigation, which is regarding uh, Marcus Hicks, a, um, I think it's safe to say, well-known teacher and volleyball coach in these parts, who is now facing, uh, before today, was facing 63 charges involving sexual violence, historic sexual violence we know now, um, dating back at least uh, to the early 2000s uh, we know of. And today the RNC released, as I mentioned, more information on this, including uh, other aliases that um, is alleged that Mr. Hicks used online uh, to communicate with people to arrange sex acts. And today, uh, now on our website, it's uh, quite detailed. You can see the names and that sort of thing. But names like that might pique your inter- might uh, pique a memory. Let, well, let's hope it doesn't. Um, uh, jar your memory, but uh, the names, uh, there's a new name believed to have been used uh, by Mr. Hicks allegedly to communicate with people. Maria Winchester is one name that was used. Another name is Brittany Campbell, uh, primarily on social media platforms. Now, the exact years and dates aren't there, but these names uh, are ones that the police now say allegedly Mr. Hicks used to communicate online, as well as a um, a username, Bradall15, B-R-A-D-O-L-15, uh, in order to communicate on multiple social media and dating applications. So the RNC, of course, uh, held a, uh, a, a briefing today on this and also today made use and brought in uh, the assistance because they've continually mentioned, you know, the importance of having these conversations with our children um, because some, at least some of the alleged victims here are teenagers. 
And uh, so um, the RNC has stressed the importance of that, of having these conversations, uh, as difficult as they may be. And today they brought in, of course, the, um, the capable assistance of Dr. Janine Hubbard, clinical psychologist and who uh, joined uh, the RNC today, uh, Constable James Cadigan at RNC headquarters to provide some insight, a professional insight on that level, and um, we'll get to that after the break. I just want to touch on a few more things, so of course, there's more information that uh, will come out there in that tape that we have. Um, again, more uh, aliases that have been used, and um, again, and some information, professional information and advice from Janine Hubbard. We'll have that in a short minute. Um, just a couple other things, of course, I want to get to the other top stories of the day. The Speaker of the House of Commons has resigned, if uh, you haven't heard, and that is over, uh, it's just hard to believe that this could happen, but um, he invited a Ukrainian veteran who fought uh, in a Nazi division uh, to parliament, um, you know, during uh, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, his speech, the president of Ukraine, his speech last week, and the Speaker of the House of Commons, uh, Liberal MP Anthony Rhoda, had invited this Ukrainian veteran later to be found just over the weekend that he was in a Nazi division of Ukraine. Um, and uh, just it's it's causing to say that it's caused pain to individuals and communities, and which is what uh, Rhoda acknowledged today in stepping down. Um, you know, he um, he gave public recognition basically to a, to a former Nazi soldier in the House of Commons, invited him. Now, if you wonder, you know, how does something like this happen? Well, um, you know, just so we know, and of course the, the Tories and others are seizing on this and, and pointing the finger directly at the Liberal government and specifically the Prime Minister. But Rhoda has said that he was personally responsible for inviting uh, <clears throat> this um, former Nazi Ukrainian member of the Nazi uh, unit in the Second World War. And um, he has taken, he said he was personally responsible for, for inviting him. Um, he was on the Speaker's guest lists which was not apparently shared with the Prime Minister's office or any other parties. So Rhoda's picks, you know, you, you have a certain amount of people you can have invite to the gallery. They were sent to the House of Commons protocol office, and the confirmed list of attendee was then shared with the corporate security, which is partly responsible for security in the parliamentary precinct, as they call it, uh, including the chambers, the Commons chambers in the West Block. But um, I just it just boggles the mind how um, how someone like that basically could be invited to uh, to Parliament and given a standing ovation on top of that, which was led by the Speaker. So there was some uh, pressure to, to step down over this because it goes beyond him, of course. Um, we have Nazi uh, Jewish groups throughout, especially in Poland. Even Poland now is seeking ways to possibly extradite this gentleman. I use that word very loosely. Um, to um, this former Nazi soldier back to Poland to be tried. He's 98 years old. So I'm not sure where that would go. Uh, anyway, Speaker of the House Commons resigning over that snafu today. Um, elsewhere, you know, we'll take a break from the heavy, heavy news and uh, tee up the big week ahead for the Blue Jays, uh, which uh, with our resident Jays correspondent, Sarah Strickland, who will be in studio today, but she'll be in Toronto on Friday. And so uh, we'll be hopefully talking to her then as well uh, from Rogers Centre, try to give us a feel for the vibe of what's going on there. You never know, but by then, uh, the Jays, all they basically have to do is go 3-3 three and three over their next six games, and they're in. They could even possibly lose one and still get in. 
they're in the second wild card spot. They're a game and a half up on Houston and three games up on Seattle. So they're in a good spot. Basically, it's in their hands. Uh, so, but uh, you know, none of the teams that are in the race have been in, have been really consistent. Really, the Jays have been the most consistent over the last seven or eight games. Um, after taking, God forbid, took a series from the J from the Rays at the Trop in Tampa, or I should say in St. Pete's, which doesn't happen very often. So uh, they got that, and if they do end up, they could end up facing the Rays in the wild card series. So uh, at least they'll have that psychological advantage over them that they actually did beat them in that uh, last series of the regular season that they've, of course, they still have three games against them at home. So you never know, but it's going to be great to watch anyway. Uh, This is when not just baseball fans, but general Jays or sports fans get on the bandwagon. So uh, any thoughts on that? You can always call the program here on News Talk, 1-866-590-VOCM or 709-273-5211. Same numbers from... uh, from the um, from open line in the mornings, and last but not least, I'm not one for lotteries. Claudette, are you one for lotteries? Do you buy your tickets? Do you get your? Do you have your? Uh, do you just go for the tabs, or do you actually go into six forty nine? My husband uh, does the lottery. I just what I do. See, he's faithful, and he has particular numbers, and he has to get uh, them got all a the system. time. But for me, I'm such a. I believe in serendipity. You know those fortunate mm. accidents. So I. I want to go into that odd convenience store if I happen to be in a town by yep. accident. And it and strikes, hope, yeah. And I hope that it's that's I'm going to be have a good story for the lotto, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, serendipity. People, you know what the lotto companies will say to you. Well, you can't win if you don't play. Yes, exactly. So you got to have serendipity to actually be prompted <laughs> to buy a ticket, I guess. Yes. I do the odd time. If I've got a bit of change yeah. in my pocket and it strikes me, I'll just do it. But I certainly don't do it. Anyway, the reason I'm getting at this, the gold ball draw tomorrow night right 68 mil largest in history um hard to ignore record jackpot for this uh, for 649 and that's guaranteed tomorrow night because all the other balls have been i don't know how it works i just read up on it briefly this is how it works apparently the gold ball is the only one left so it's got to happen some ticket tomorrow night is going to win is going to be worth 68 million dollars i mean to me what's the difference 20 million 68 million More i don't see myself well, i don't see myself <laughs> rushing out because it's now 68 million i know but that's funny how it works it it's is. like in the states with that yeah. mega one that the goes powerball the, yeah 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 it, it just goes up crazy. so much because yep. um people want to win more money yeah it just uh, it's still and then i'll you know arguably your odds are even less because more people are buying so true so anyway there it is it's just to get in your psyche so if you haven't got your ticket and you're into it i'll probably buy one just for a laugh can you imagine no i won't even imagine <laughs> um oh my god look at the time well after the first quarter break but uh, anyway those are some of the stories and things we're following here today folks uh this is news talk so uh if you want to talk news the numbers again one eight eight six six five ninety vocm 273-5211 with the old 709 of course because technology has advanced to the point now where we have to use 10 numbers instead of seven. Uh, we'll talk about that some other day. I'm Brian Callahan in Berlinda Swain. We'll be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back to the program. And as advertised, the RNC uh, updated uh, the media and the public today on their ongoing investigation regarding Marcus Hicks a uh, teacher and volleyball coach here in the metro region. Um, They uh, provided some more information today, revealed that there are more aliases 
than thought, and the tips keep coming in, and the information from your investigators keeps coming in. And today they uh, brought in as well clinical psychologist Janine Hubbard, Dr. Janine Hubbard, to uh, to speak to that side of this. Uh, our Richard Duggan was at that news conference, and here are some of what they had to say. So uh, welcome to the RNC. We're here to uh, uh, bring more information forward related to uh, investigation of sexual violence, uh, specifically involved, involving the accused, Marcus Higgs. Uh, so on August 23rd, the RNC received information related to use of fictitious identities, social media applications, and concealment to arrange, arrange sexual acts. The RNC's uh, child abuse and uh, sexual assault unit was engaged and a major case management team assembled to investigate. A residence located in Paradise was seized in connection with the investigation at that time, and uh, a judicial authorization to search the property was, in, was obtained. Since then, the investigation has progressed, and, this and at this stage, the accused Marcus Hicks of Paradise fakes, faces 63 charges related to sexual violence, with ongoing investigations into other offenses at this time. The investigative team have identified additional fake social media accounts believed to be used by the accused to communicate with individuals uh, to arrange sexual acts while concealing true identity. Uh, the first being username Maria Winchester. Uh, this name is believed to have been used historically and may have communicated with uh, individuals across the province on social media and chat platforms. Uh, the next being Brittany Campbell. Uh, this name was used on social media platforms. And uh, the third is Brad OL15. This username identified as a male and is believed to have communicated on multiple social media and dating applications. Investigators have also received information to link the accused to an address on Bullockstown Road in Torbay. The dedicated members of the RNC's investigative team are available to speak with anyone that has information or has questions about the process. With a trauma-informed focus, the officers prioritize the safety and well-being of all individuals. At this, uh, as this investigation remains active, the RNC continues to seek any information related to the acts of sexual violence. A dedicated email has been established to reach the investigative team directly. Uh, you can contact the investigative team at trust at rnc.gov.nl.ca with any information. I'd like to touch again on the Journey Project, which is an initiative of the Public Legal Information Association of Newfoundland and Labrador and, and Sexual Violence NL. Uh, this is a reliable support for survivors of sexual violence, and uh, legal support navigators are available to uh, help survivors navigate the justice system. And you can learn more on the, uh, the Journey Project's website. Anyone experiencing anxiety or crisis as a result of this information, please contact the Mental Health Crisis Line at 811. In addition, the RNC's Mental Health Mobile Crisis Response Team uh, will respond to a crisis where and when it occurs, and you can reach that team through the RNC at 729-8000. In the event of an emergency, always call 911. Parents and guardians should be aware that this investigation may create anxiety in children and youth who use various social media platforms. The RNC recommends taking this opportunity to discuss the associated risks of sharing personal and private information online. Everyone should be wary about speaking with people online that you do not personally know. Pictures and profiles can be fictitious, and the person you are speaking with may not be who they seem to be. Please report any, sus any suspicious activity and people to the RNC. 
The RNC requests that anyone with information that may assist in this investigation contact the RNC at 729-8000, and you can also report anonymously uh, with Crime Stoppers. Now, as I had mentioned, this information and discussion related to this investigation can result in stress and anxiety, which can impact wellness and safety in our community. To broach these difficult topics with a family member is not easy and may take time. To promote the safety and wellness of our community as we continue to investigate these events, we welcome Dr. Janine Hubbard, clinical psychologist, to bring forward important discussion uh, to support mental health and safety. So I'll ask Dr. Hubbard to come forward. Thank you, Constable Cadigan, for the invitation to uh, hopefully contribute some really helpful advice uh, today. Um, this is an investigation that is hitting hard to many, many aspects of our community. Um, and certainly it's leaving parents uncertain of what to do, feeling very unsure, frightened. Uh, this has been a violation of one of the uh, trusted relationships that we often look to uh, for our youth. So a couple of things around what can parents do. Use this new information today as a catalyst to book a time to sit down with your children, whether you want to do it as a family together or even individually, um, and say this is something that's really important we need to talk about. You need to promise them that this is a non-judgmental, non-punitive discussion. Uh, nothing they can say to you is going to get them in trouble, have you take their phone away, limit their online privileges. This is that safety is far more important than maybe hearing about some um, choices that they've made or uh, things that have happened. So it's, it's very much the same as that, okay, if you're out somewhere and you're not safe to drive or you're with someone who isn't safe to drive, no questions asked, call me. Um, it's very much that kind of setup that we want to have for those conversations. Um, and I, I would start those conversations with what have they heard? Um, and if possible, because unfortunately there's lots of rumors, there's lots of information swelling, if there's anything that you can help to correct in terms of accuracy with them, um, have that discussion and provide answers as much as possible and also be okay with the, we don't know all the answers to that, but let's keep talking about it. Uh, really important to validate any and all feelings that they're having, whether it's something they've encountered directly, whether a friend has been involved, whether it's simply a, I'm really nervous about using uh, any social media. Validate those feelings. This is, as has been mentioned, the prime opportunity to talk about social media safety. Remembering that anything that is written, um, photographed, even if you think it's just there between a friend or if it's just temporary, there is nothing temporary once it's online. Um, and making sure that, again, all of those other safety protocols are put in place. Sometimes it's really helpful to humanize it and use your own example. I'll be honest, I was looking at a text that I sent to a friend yesterday and thought, oh, how would I feel if that was shared publicly? I was maybe a little snarky or a little, you know, my tone was a little inappropriate and I really should have double thought how I wrote that. So working the, with the idea that anything that goes online could appear elsewhere. And so, you know, taking a second thought before posting things and then leave the conversation open ended. Kids may not be ready to talk about it today. But 
leaving it open, letting them know again that non-judgmental approach will continue to be there for themselves and also, you know, for anybody else in their social network if that's needed as a safe space. Um, to the peers, to the students and young adults who are out there hearing about this, realizing that it is impacting your classmates and your peers and your social network. Please avoid gossip and speculation. Uh, there's nothing that feeds the fire and creates more distrust and more anxiety than gossip. Uh, it's also really important uh, to be the active bystander. If you're hearing teasing or bullying or snide comments about the situation, Please stand up and make sure your peers know that's not okay. Because uh, we don't know who may be listening to that conversation who's directly impacted. Um, and that makes it that much harder for them to disclose. And also, I think it's really important if you have a friend who's talking to you about some of their involvement and they don't feel safe disclosing that at home, work with them, help with them, figure out a trusted adult or um, perhaps it's your own parent that you can help them go through the disclosure process um, and be that key support for them. Um, and then a couple of words to the individuals who have been affected by this. I know a lot of people have been keeping their experience quiet, blocking it out, trying to move on with life, trying to pretend that uh, it didn't exist, very uh, concerned about stigma, shame, self-blame. Sometimes some new realizations of near misses may have come up with today's new information. Um, it's really important to remember you're not alone, you're not to blame, there is support available. While, of course, we want to help you to uh, make formal reporting to help with the charges, far more important is your mental health and your well-being. And we want to make sure that if that's the first step that is needed for you, that that's something that's available. And I'm certainly happy to share some resources and some suggestions in terms of places where people can reach out. And then finally, as a community, we've all felt a real violation in trust and safety. And we need to continue to look after ourselves, our community, and our young people. And that is Dr. Janine Hubbard, right there, clinical psychologist. Uh, she joined uh, RNC Constable James Cadigan today at RNC headquarters for an update on the troubling, disturbing, call it what you want um, case and invest ongoing investigation regarding uh, Marcus Hicks, former teacher and uh, volleyball, I said former. Um, I want to say hopefully, but I don't know. Innocent until proven guilty. And so um, he's uh, facing 63 charges now, sexual violence charges against uh, teens and youth um, and some young adults uh, in connection with that ongoing sexual violence case um, that the RNC is investigating. With continual updates, we'll keep you posted on that. Coming up after the news, uh, we'll find out why there's an air quality warning around these parts. Uh, we'll talk to David Neal from Environment Canada. I'm Brian Callahan on News Talk. We'll be right back. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News Talk on your VOCM. Thanks a lot, Noah. Noah there with the news and, uh, and weather. And, of course, if you were listening closely, he uh, mentioned, as we were talking about before the break, uh, there are some air quality warnings up uh, with some more uh, smoke, a warning of um, some local smoke that could move in and uh, cause anyone with any kind of respiratory or other issues 
um, and just general to health conscious people of um, when the air quality, when there's any warning from Environment Canada. And uh, so it kind of caught us a little bit off guard today. We're used to that in the dead of summer, but um, moving into this is more like hurricane season than smoke season. So I gave David Neal a shout at Environment Canada and he explained it all for me. So this kind of piqued our interest a little bit today. I didn't see it coming. I mean, obviously, through the, the height of the um, forest fires over the summer, mostly, uh, you know, we were seeing it, we were expecting it, it was in our consciousness. What uh, triggered this particular uh, particular air quality um, statement today? Uh, well, basically, what we what we have uh, right now, just looking at the overall uh, the overall situation, we have a big big area of high pressure uh, is currently kind of parked over over Quebec right now and. And what we're seeing is uh, uh, we're seeing a, a lot of our uh, modeling for uh, for smoke trajectory showing uh, some of that smoke uh, likely to move over Newfoundland and Labrador um, really over the next couple of days. And uh, basically the uh, the smoke is uh, originating several different sources, kind of coming around to the, uh, the north side of that area of, of, uh, of high pressure. Uh, we generally have a kind of a north to northwesterly uh, uh, flow kind of setting up over most of the most of the province. So um, a lot of that smoke is coming from uh, uh, there's some that's coming from uh, all the, uh, from as far out west as uh, as towards the prairies and, and southern northwest territories, but also too getting some contribution uh, from some of the forest fires uh, over Quebec as well. So um, basically, yeah, just looking like that a uh, bit of a situation they're setting up where we could start to see some smoke uh, moving into. To, uh, into the province might seem unusual unusual to people around these parts i mean um as i said you know the summer it seemed more normal out of the blue it might seem a little unusual how unusual is this this time of year uh well of course typically when you're you're kind of talking about more uh, kind of forest fire season uh you're looking more right into the uh, into the summer months of course at west uh, they've been dealing with this for uh, for a long long time yeah. uh dealing with these air quality issues um, certainly, you know, it's not completely out of, uh, out of the realm of possibility. You could see those, uh, those fires sticking around a bit later and uh, get, some, uh, get some of that smoke moving over uh, different, uh, different parts of the country. Yeah, and, uh, and once again, maybe it's something we have to get used to as, as the uh, almighty words of climate change, uh, uh, you know, permeate the news and everywhere else. Um, uh, yeah, so other than that, though, I'm, you know, we're not seeing any different changes in weather, no? Any warmer, any colder, that won't be affected or...? Uh, well, as we're seeing right now, of course, uh, at the same time, uh, also we have parts of uh, parts of the island that are under uh, under frost advisories. Still, uh, still expecting uh, uh, some of those areas still to uh, uh, to kind of clear out, have have some light winds. Uh, uh, if that uh, if that smoke does move uh, over the region, that could uh, uh, that could possibly uh, keep things just a touch. Uh, touch warmer so uh, the, so that the frost may not uh, necessarily form but as it stands right now we're still kind of expecting parts of western and uh, southern Newfoundland uh, to uh, to get uh, rather chilly uh, tonight uh, so still maintaining those uh, those frost advisories so overall um, aside from uh, uh, from the possibility of some uh, smoke moving over the area generally expecting that area high pressure uh, that's as I mentioned over Quebec and uh, expecting that to kind of stick around, keep us uh, keep the island in generally a, 
uh, a northwesterly uh, northwesterly flow uh, for for really the rest of the week. So, uh, in terms of uh, other, other than the smoke and other than a cold night tonight, uh, generally looking at uh, you know fair fair weather conditions for uh, uh, for much of the province over the next few days. Yeah, we normally have lovely falls, uh, and normally at this time of year, I'm talking to you again about hurricanes. But uh, how are we on that front? Just briefly, David, while I got you, um, I know Ophelia was making some noise down south there earlier in the week. Uh, yeah, uh, to stand right now for uh, for Atlantic Canada, not really expecting too too much right now. Uh, National Hurricane Center uh, keeping an eye on Tropical Storm Philippe. Uh, that one, uh, according to latest uh, uh, latest forecast, isn't expected to have much of an uh, much of an impact. Uh, not likely to make it to our neck of the woods for sure. Uh, another area of formation being uh, monitored uh, as we speak, as well. Right now, it looks like uh, everything uh, in terms of in terms of any impacts on on Atlantic Canada, things uh, of that for, for, from that perspective, from a tropical sto- uh, a storm perspective, uh, look to remain fairly quiet for us for the next little while. So the only uh, the only um, uh, flying ointment right now would be the air quality. So anyone with the usual, anyone with the respiratory issues or other than that, uh, would be wary of that. So right now it's just a statement. Do you expect it to be bumped up or anything? Is that possible? Uh, no, typically we do. We, we tend to stick with the uh, with the special air quality statement as our means of uh, uh, of getting the information out to uh, out to the public. So uh, more than likely, uh, if uh, uh, we'll keep an eye on on things, and as long as that threat is still there, we'll continue to uh, update that statement. And uh, as new information becomes available, uh, we'll we'll continue to uh, to update that. Uh, so certainly, uh, uh, would recommend people to continue to check back and. Uh, and uh, keep uh, keep tabs on the latest. That is uh, David Neal. We certainly will keep tabs on latest. So they're calling, you know, basically smoke plumes could be seen, expected over the province, various times, various uh, over the next couple of days or so. Uh, the time span is actually through Thursday or longer. So not very specific, but um, who knew? It's still uh, these, uh, the wildfire smoke is still an issue. Harmful can be to some people's health, especially the lower, uh, it, get, the lower it gets to uh, in elevation, lower concentrations. So uh, be wary. Heed the advice. Thanks to David Neal from Environment Canada. Uh, I'm Brian Callahan. I'm in for Linda Swain on News Talk today, possibly tomorrow. And uh, we're going to take a short break. Be right back. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at 7 p.m. on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Uh, News Talk here. Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain. And also today, top of everything else, um, certainly um, not any less a news story because with flu and vaccine season upon us, well, flu season upon us, and of course that brings hand-in-hand vaccines, Dr. Janice Fitzgerald uh, invited the media today for a little update on um, basically what the rollout's going to look like, what they're advising, um, the various, um, uh, what's uh, coming down the pipe, basically what they expect. And of course, the importance of being vaccinated, uh, getting up to date, children, adults, you name it, run the gamut. So here is Dr. Fitzgerald from earlier today uh, with an update on the season. Thanks for joining us today as we discuss plans for the upcoming flu and COVID-19 vaccination campaigns for Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, But before I start, I'd like to send out a happy Environmental Public Health Week to all our environmental public health professionals in the province. 
the environment has been and will continue to be a key social determinant of health and well-being, and environmental health officers are a critical part of our public health system. And most of us don't even realize the work that they do because they do it so well that we take it for granted. So thank you to all the environmental public health officers out there for standing up to protect everyone's health each and every day. Now back to vaccines. As the weather starts to change and days begin to feel like they're getting or are getting shorter, most people's minds tend to be on Thanksgiving plans or Halloween preparations. But for us in public health, we signals we need to start thinking about uh, preparing for respiratory virus season. So we all know this time of year tends to see a spread of respiratory viruses as schools head back in session and activities tend to move indoors and holiday gatherings increase. And like last year, this cold and flu season, we expect to see both influenza and COVID-19 circulating at the same time, in addition to other respiratory viruses such as RSV. So public health's priority is to reduce the spread of these viruses and thereby preventing severe illness and hospitalization associated with many of them and preserving health system capacity. As all of you know, from the last few years, we have the tools we need to stay healthy and reduce the spread of illness. So stay home if you feel unwell, cover your coughs and sneezes, and wash your hands often and well. Of course, vaccination against flu and COVID-19 is an essential tool to reduce the spread of these viruses. Vaccines are safe and effective and continue to be the best way to protect yourself and others from severe illness. To minimize the impact of these, of these viruses this season, I encourage everyone who is eligible to get the influenza and COVID-19 vaccinations. The flu vaccine will be offered to all individuals six months of age and older. It is strongly recommended that those who are at higher risk for severe influenza get the vaccine this fall, and that includes children aged six months to five years, adults 65 years of age and older, residents in seniors congregate living, individuals with certain medical conditions, uh, for example, heart disease, lung disease, or immune compromise, and of course there are many others. I, I encourage you to check our website. Uh, and individuals who are pregnant and individuals who identify as First Nation Inuit or Métis. On September 12th, 2023, Health Canada authorized Moderna COVID-19 spike vac vaccine specifically targeting the Omicron XBB.1.5 subvariant for use in people six months of age and older. The National Advisory Committee on Immunization recommends a dose of XBB.1.5 containing COVID-19 vaccine to people six months and older this fall. This new formulation is expected to provide better immune response against currently circulating variants compared to vaccines previously in use. So individuals six months of age and older are eligible and should receive a fall dose of the COVID-19 vaccine if it has been six months since your previous vaccine or COVID infection, whichever is later. And this is regardless of the number of doses of vaccine that you have received previously. 
Those at high risk for severe disease are strongly recommended to get the vaccine when eligible, and those include adults 65 years of age and older, residents of long-term care and other senior, senior congregate living facilities, and individuals with underlying medical conditions, again, for example, heart disease, lung disease, and immune compromise, and again, check our website for a full list, uh, pregnant individuals and individuals from First Nation, Métis, and Inuit communities. Vaccination clinics for flu and COVID will begin Monday, October 16th, and appointments will be made available online starting October 10th through Health Zone Clinics by visiting Time for the Shot website. Uh, please check in periodically for availability at any of these vaccine sites as appointments are continually being added as vaccine supply is received. Additionally, appointments can also be made through participating pharmacists and physicians. For those eligible for both vaccines, it is safe to receive both flu and COVID-19 vaccines at the same time. And both vaccines are proven safe and effective ways of reducing the spread of influenza and COVID-19 and the incidence of severe disease from these viruses. Newfoundlanders and Labradorians believe in vaccination as a public health measure. We have seen this in our exceptional COVID-19 primary series uptake. We have seen it in over 95% of parents choosing to protect their children against measles and other preventable diseases. And we have seen it in the way we have led the country in cervical cancer prevention through HPV vaccination. So I know that you will step up once again to protect yourselves, your loved ones, your communities, and our health system by making the choice to get vaccinated against flu and COVID-19 this fall. And I thank you all in advance. And we thank Dr. Janice Fitzgerald uh, for all her work uh, throughout COVID and still keeping on, keeping on um, with the great advice. So if you haven't got the shot, get the shot. Um, you know, sometimes it can be too late. It's a good proactive measure. All of the good points that Dr. Janice Fitzgerald made there, we're back into that season. So do it for yourself, but do it for everyone else around you too, because um, if you get it and it sticks with you and the worse it gets, you're just passing it along. So it's for other people too. Anyway, enough of my uh, preaching here. <laughs> I've been guilty of procrastinating on the shot myself, but I'm up to date. So that's a good thing. Um, trying to find a great segue from flu to the Blue Jays, but uh, <laughs> bird flu? No. No, that would be I'm, a bad thing right we now. We have a bit of bird fever at the moment. Bird fever. Okay. Well, there's definitely, I, don't want, I shouldn't have said bird flu unless it's what the other team gets. But uh, the Jays, let's talk Blue Jays into the home stretch of the show today. Sarah Strickland's in studio. How you doing? Oh, it, depending on how tonight goes. Yeah. It's just <laughs> another night. But I mean, look, we're in, okay, so for people who are casual observers, there are some out there who know exactly what's going on, but others aren't quite sure the entire picture. Painted for us. We got uh, six games left in the regular season. Right now, if we go three and three, I say we, Jays go three. <laughs> I'm a baseball fan before a Blue Jays fan. I'll be totally honest. I've been a Blue Jays fan all my life, and I'm they're my first team, but I'm a baseball fan first. And, uh, and the Jays are certainly my team. But um, we go three and three, and we're in. We could even probably go in at two and four, but we don't want to go there, do we? No, we don't want to risk it at this time of year because the other teams, again, Houston and Seattle, of course, they're not uh, doing too great. They're kind of, they've kind of fell apart there in the last couple of weeks, but uh, we've seen what they've done all season, so they are a threat still. 
I think if you are not a Blue Jays fan, now is the time to get on the bandwagon. I know every year. When now we is get the to safest this, time. Now is the time to get on the, the bandwagon. speed is slow. We're, she's only slowly ramping up. It's not too dangerous to jump on. And then when we get to the postseason, knock on wood, mm. then you can be like, yes, I've been a fan, always believed in them, right? Come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the Stars couldn't have lined any better on the weekend. I mean, both Houston and Seattle get swept. Mm-hmm. Who sweep, Kansas City sweeps Houston. I'm still trying to wrap I my head around that. I am so confused yeah, about yeah. that right like you think that's an easy series there <laughs> it's <laughs> and for houston so to be honest with you i mean they're they're looking like they may be in as well and if they're not in if they're in a funk like that then that's a good thing for everybody because we know altuve and company uh have what mm-hmm. is required to make a run i don't think anyone's touching atlanta but no in the in just to get to the al just to get through the al and, you know, there's so many other things. I mean, look, you know, we talked a little off air about trying to put it all together. It just feels like, you know, it's a struggle. As soon as the batting gets hot, the pitching seems uh-huh. to tail off. I mean, we saw Romano the other night. I don't know what we're going to do about Romano. Um, that was troubling, to say <laughs> it, the least, in a big game he really needed. A full 180. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just don't understand why you don't leave Hicks in. Yeah. I understand that Hicks can kind of be a bit inconsistent with, you know, in the strike zone, but he's throwing 105 miles an hour. Guys are going to swing at it. <laughs> Part of me would like to see them completely turn the, up, uh, the, the apple cart upside down, throw a Hicks in for the first two innings of the very first playoff game completely. Just don't uh, – do not announce your, your starting lineup or at least your pitchers. You, you, there is a deadline that teams have to announce their starting pitchers on game day but you know something different like that I mean everybody knows the staff by now all the pitching staff everybody knows the pitchers they know what they do they know what they got they've seen enough of them all season the only thing left is to shake up when you put them in in my, in my humblest opinion and I mean I know it seems a little rash but I mean if you if you roll out Ryu if you roll out um, uh, any Bassett, uh, Gosman, whoever for their regular outings we all know the first inning has not been well for any of our best pitchers and we're just so used to I'm just so used to turning on the game now with uh, behind one or two nothing after Mm -hmm. the first inning that is driving me nuts it's just imagine if we could actually stake ourselves out to a decent lead and give those pitchers that lead into the second inning or even you know into the third inning and just give them that confidence to relax a little bit and not think oh my god the next pitch could be a solo and we're behind and we're behind there's been a bit of a trend with gosman i know his last outing with against the yankees Mm. uh he pitched an absolute gem but there has been a bit of a trend in the last month or two where he gets himself in these situations where the bases are loaded and he's got nobody out yeah that's that's been a trend for gosman he usually finds his way out of that jam, but it shouldn't be happening. No, and it's been happening. That's another staple of the Blue Jays pitching staff. It's almost like until they get in a bit of trouble, you don't see their best stuff. It's like they're floating it up there. It's like, okay, I'll try this, I'll try that. But then all of a sudden they bear down like a Gosman. But it's still troubling. I think there's enough, there's a little bit of nervousness with guys like Ryu. Ryu had, didn't have a great in, outing the other night. Bassett didn't have a great outing. But again, it's happening right at a time. The, the little chinks in the armor of our pitching is happening right when the bats seem to be taken off. That was a good weekend for, for offense. It was. Uh, against the Rays, at the trop. At the trop. You know, we can't score a run there, let alone stay in the game. And they went and turned that upside down and got in the heads of the Rays, I, I would argue, if we do have to face them in the first round. Um, but, but again, it's that same old thing. The, the bats start to come alive and the pitching seems to fall apart. If we could only harness them at the same time. 
And I suppose any team could say that. You see Springer, like you can tell the seasonal change is coming for George Springer because what a game he had the other Fall night. Fall is his season. It was the third inning, and he had already had that inside-the-park home run. Then he made that catch. Or First, he threw out Meade at second, right. who was just coasting in no there. No contest. Took it perfectly. And just fired a missile to second, got him out, and then he makes that catch, that diving catch. It was incredible. So uh, you can tell that Fall is here. George Springer is ready for the postseason. I think you asked me a couple of months ago on this program, you know, what do you do with Springer? <laughs> you leave him in the number one in the leadoff position. I don't care how great Maryfield looked in that over the season, but Springer has proven he is a proven product for the playoffs. Not just proven product, former MVP. So he knows how to get it done. He's showing that right now. He is leaving everything out on the field at a time when you don't necessarily have to leave it all. I mean, this weekend was the most important series. So Mm -hmm. anyway, it all remains to be seen. I'd like to see um, uh, just a little bit more. I don't know what you call it, but a little bit more comfort after the first inning. I mean, if they could just get out to a start, whatever you got to do, just to hold them at bay and get a lead. So we're not playing from behind. Don't play from behind and not giving up these big leads. I honestly feel that's the biggest problem for the Jays in the playoffs. That was, uh, they all just froze in nervousness last year when Seattle took that early lead in a one game. At least there's no one game playoff. We've gotten through that. Uh, (laughs) That won't happen regardless. We don't hold tiebreakers, but then again, except over Houston, which yeah, could which happen. Yeah, which is uh, actual probability now. Exactly. So, anyway, I think that's the recipe right now. Get a lead. Stop them from getting the lead. Uh, keep the lead. Just win, baby. And just win, baby. Who said it? Brian Callahan. Oh, <laughs> I'd like to say it was me. I think it was Al Davis from the L.A. Raiders. Just win, baby. And, uh, and they did at the time, but not anymore. Anyway, wrap it up. Thanks again, Sarah Strickland, for coming in. Uh, I'll talk to you when you're in Toronto on Friday. Yeah, live. VOCM, mm. live from Rogers Center. I'm Brian Callahan. This is News Talk. Have a great evening.